Good morning, Rooted Fellowship. As Pastor Ono said, my name is Reinhardt. My friends call me Rankies, and it's a privilege for me to bring God's Word to you this morning. We are in the series, The Gospel According to Mark, and this morning specifically, we'll be in chapter 5 from verses 1 to 20. So if you've got a Bible with you, you can grab that, and we're going to spend some time in there. But before we do that, before we jump in, let me pray both for my words and your heart. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you are the God of change, that you are the God of grace, and we pray this morning, as always, that you would continually change our hearts through your grace and the Holy Spirit. Do it now, because we love you and for your kingdom. Amen. Authority. It has become one of those heavy-laden words Time and time and again, we've seen how mankind can't help itself from abusing authority and power. Instead of bringing order and healing to this world, we see brokenness, hurt, and division. And naturally, a person can only take so much before we become skeptic of any shape or form of authority. No matter the promises that people make, Ultimately, we become corrupted when we have power or authority. It's like the ring in Lord of the Rings, the ultimate ring of power. No one can carry the ring without the ring ultimately corrupting that person. Well, friends, Christ's authority, on the other hand, is different. Jesus has an ultimate incorruptible authority, and his authority brings order where there is chaos. His authority gives mercy where there is none. And his authority gives hope in darkness. And my hope is this morning that through the scriptures we might see the awe-inspiring authority of Jesus. An authority that we not only can submit to, but also rest in. And so just to bring us up to speed of where we are currently in the series, um, Mark at this stage is showing us continually the identity of Jesus. And so we're still kind of figuring out who this character Jesus is. And now what we're seeing is that we're in the middle of three miracle stories that Mark is using and stringing together to show us something about the authority of Jesus. Last week during Sisley's sermon, we saw that Jesus has authority over the natural world and over nature, and therefore we can trust in him. And next week, we're going to see the climax of these three stories, and so you better not miss that. You must tune in for that sermon. Today, however, we're going to see how Jesus' authority is also authoritative over the supernatural world, and that's where we're going to dive in today. And so as we look at Jesus' authority and what that means for us, we're going to look at three different scenes in this, in, in, in this narrative. And what we want to see is how we are supposed to react to the authority of Christ. So three things that I want us to notice and see from today's scripture, how Jesus' authority confronts us, it challenges us, and it commissions us. And so let's dive into scene one Grab your Bible, let's follow from verse 1. 
If you have your Bible, you can read with me. It says, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And so remember where they were. They were in Galilee, and Jesus proposed that they should cross the sea to the other side. And it was in this crossing that they encountered the storm. And so you can imagine, once they got to the other side, the disciples were so amped just to be on dry land again. They were probably getting out and just kissing the dry ground. And they came to the country of the Gerasenes. And this is important for us to understand the rest of the narrative where this country is. Now, the Gerasenes lived in the town Gerasa, and that is in the region of the Decapolis. This is Gentile, non-Jewish country. Now, Jesus is a Jew, and as a Jew, early on in his ministry, Jesus is already establishing where his ministry is to, or to whom is his ministry. In this simple act, Jesus is making it plain that the gospel of the kingdom of God is not for one single ethnic group, but rather that this gospel should spread to all the nations. And this isn't something to be kept secret by one single group. And so we continue to read in verse 2. When Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately they met him out of the tomb, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And so check the scene. This is this is right out of a horror movie. Immediately as they got out of the boat, they were met with this guy possessed with an unclean spirit. And so this guy was like the Incredible Hulk on a bad day. No one could subdue him. No one could hold him. Imagine the disciples. They just got out of the boat experiencing a storm on the lake, and now they met this guy. I mean, talk about out of the frying pan into the fire. But we also need to notice the anguish that this man was experiencing. He was living among the tombs, among the dead of the society. He was cast out from the living, and he was in anguish. Night and day, he was crying out and cutting himself. A volatile man. No one could come close to him, and here comes Jesus. I mean, talk about a matchup. If this was pay-per-view, millions would tune in for this battle. You have Jesus claiming to be the Son of God, and then the demon Hulk. Massive confrontation, and yet the battle doesn't really live up to the hype. Read with me from verse 6. It says, And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, the Son of the high, Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The demon-possessed man saw Jesus from afar. He runs to Jesus and falls 
down, crying out in fear, why have you come to torment me? Jesus' mere presence was confrontational to these spirits. But note that Jesus doesn't have to do anything to win the battle. By merely showing up, Jesus has won the confrontation. The demon is under no illusion who Jesus is. He is crystal clear in his admission. Jesus, son of the most high God. This is almost the clearest admission that we've had thus far in the book or in the gospel according to Mark. And let's not kid around. This isn't some small demon in the corner of the world. His name is Legion, which means many. How many? Well, the pigs that drowned were about 2,000, and in a Roman legion of that day had about 6,000 soldiers in it. So that gives us a ballpark figure of how many demons were in that man, yet they were no match for Jesus. In fear, pleading with Jesus, not just that they can run away, not that they can exit. They had to ask permission where they can go to after leaving the man. That's authority. I don't know why Jesus gave in to their request. Maybe it was because their time for torment hasn't come yet. Um, But the point being made here is that Jesus has absolute authority over the supernatural. And they know it. And they responded in fear. This is the Jesus whom we serve. It's not a battle of good versus evil. It's Jesus showing up and the battle is won. And fear is a prominent emotion throughout the gospel according to Mark. And let me tell you, it's a healthy emotion. If you've never had reverent fear of Jesus, it might be that you've never encountered the real Jesus Christ because he is frighteningly powerful. The disciples saw Jesus calm the storm, calm the storm, and they were filled with fear. The demon-possessed man saw Jesus from afar, and they were fearful. The people from the town, we'll see in a moment, came to Jesus. They saw what Jesus did, and they were filled with fear. Fear is a good and healthy emotion because it's the proper response as we realize the authority of Jesus and that he is actually bringing in his kingdom. But rather than running away, the response that we need to do as we are confronted with this authority of Jesus is one of reverent worship. How cool is it that we serve a God that's not rolling the dice with our lives, that's not trying to battle with evil, trying to overcome evil, no, Jesus has overcome the world, and he is at work within me. As we worship this amazing God, it should fill us with this amazing, reassuring peace, knowing that the battle is already won. Even as we're challenged by authorities and fears that we're experiencing in the world today, and don't get me wrong, there are real challenges and real fears out there. What we should have is a greater fear for the authority of Christ. It's like, especially during lockdown, it's like watching reruns of sport. It's not quite entertaining, but it's something to watch, especially when you know the end score. And so when you're rooting for your team and it seems like they're falling behind, you know, because you've watched the game before, how this game ends. You know the end score. And friends, that's what it's like believing in Jesus. Even though we might have dips in life, even though we might have challenges in life, 
We know the end score. We know the end result. We know that Jesus comes out on top. And so we can rest assured in the grace of Christ. And so as Christians, things don't throw us like they do other people. There's, there's a different way that a Christian reacts to his environment than normal people because we have this assurance that we serve the God that is authority over the supernatural. And this brings us to the second scene um, from verses 14 to 17, and it shows how the authority of Jesus not only confronts us to trust in him, but also challenges us specifically how we are to live. So read with me from verses 14. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And so when the people came and saw the man that was possessed, they were rightfully afraid. Because remember, these were the people that were trying to subdue this man. These were the people that were trying to bind this man, and they were unable to. And so seeing him calm at Jesus' feet just showed them something of who this Jesus is. And then they heard that the man was the way that the man was healed, and that the demons were cast into the pigs, and that they had lost their pigs. And after that, they begged Jesus to leave that place. And this is a weird scene. They saw Jesus' power. They feared it, and yet they begged him to leave. You see, I don't think they asked Jesus to leave because they feared him and didn't understand his authority, that this was somehow something that they couldn't grasp. No, I think they recognized his authority, but also they recognized that if they were to submit to Jesus, it was going to cost them something. In fact, it had already cost them something. You see, friends, in times of stress or crisis, it reveals what our hearts are really concerned about. When they saw the man healed, they didn't see a man brought back from the dead. They saw someone that cost them their investment. They were more concerned about their wealth than about the well-being of this man. It's a ridiculous scene, but it plays out every day around us. Think about the current protest actions happening in the U.S. right now protesting that Black Lives Matter and justice for George Floyd. Initially, there was a small minority of protesters that were protesting violently and they caused some property damage. And in no way am I condoning that way of protesting. But what was interesting was the amount of spotlight that that received, the property damage that so many people were talking about that, rather than the fact that a man had died at the hands of those who were supposed to protect him. Or even back home. Think about the treatment of foreigners in our country as recently as March of this year. We can get so concerned about our property value, about establishing proper law and order to do the right thing, that we can completely miss the people who are suffering. 
Friends, Jesus' authority is challenging because it challenges us that we should be what we should be concerned about. God is concerned with the lost and the broken of this world, not with our creature comforts. Christians, similarly, should be concerned about people because Jesus was concerned about people, and that's simple. But it's costly. God said that you shall serve him alone and love your neighbor as yourself. As a church, we should be concerned when people are discriminated against just because of their skin color. We should be mourning, lamenting, crying out for change, and effecting change. Because our concerns have been changed by the grace that we've received from Christ. So here might be a diagnostic question for our own hearts. How is Jesus' authority challenging you this morning to submit to him? What is it costing you right now to follow Jesus? Submitting to his authority will have an impact on how we live our lives. If it doesn't, then it might be that we've somehow placed ourselves in the camp of Jesus, but never really submitted to his authority. We might carry the brand Christian, but we're not ruled by God. Make no mistake. Following Jesus will continually put us outside of our comfort zones because that's what it means to pick up your cross and follow Christ. Christian, we need to reorient our hearts because global pandemics, economic hardships, oppressive systems, all these things will reveal what we are really concerned about. Let's have the heart of Christ. Lastly, we're going to look at our third scene, how Jesus' authority not only confronts us, it not only challenges us, but it also commissions us. Read with me from verse 18. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home and to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Both the demon and the people from the town recognized Jesus' authority. They were even in awe of his power. They feared him, but they never submitted to him. Into the frame comes the man that was healed by Jesus. He begs Jesus to go with them, and Jesus says, No. And then, the man submitted to the will of Christ. As the man not only knew and tasted the authority of Christ, but submitted to him, Jesus then commissioned him, go and tell. Not only did the grace of God change this man's life, but it gave him a new purpose. It commissioned him to go and tell people of the mercy of God. And so you might ask, what amazing missional training did this man have? What credentials did he have to go and tell people? Well, nothing. He only had the story of grace that he could share with the people around him. And look at the reaction of people at the end of verse 20. And everyone marveled. The greatest tool that we have in our arsenal to witness about God is not our ability to be great theologians or defenders of the faith, apologists. Those are good things and good gifts to the church. 
But listen this morning, the best thing that we have that we can share with the world is to simply share what God has done for us in Christ. We have not been called to convince people. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. We have simply been called to obey Christ and to share our story of grace. The power of our testimony is astounding. Christian, hear this again. If you have submitted to the authority of Jesus, then you have been commissioned by the Most High to share your story. This is not a suggestion. And each one of us that has crossed the line of faith, that is trusting in Jesus, that is obeying Jesus right now, has a great story to tell. What we see in this text of Jesus healing the man possessed is a picture of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Remember, this man was removed from the living. He was dwelling with the dead. Jesus found him. Jesus extended mercy to him. And Jesus saved him and gave him a new purpose in life. Similarly, God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into the world. He sent him into the grave to redeem those you and I, that were living among the dead, and to bring them into life and to give them a mission. This is how our God, how our Jesus uses his authority to redeem people, to restore relationships, and to renew systems. I don't know where your heart is during this time, but hear the gospel invitation. Maybe you're a Christian whose heart has grown cold by the hardships of this world. Maybe you thought you were a Christian, but you never really bowed your knee in obedience to God. Maybe you've been frustrated by church, leaders in church, and as a result have turned away from Christianity altogether. Jesus wants to meet you where you are this morning. Jesus is seeking us out and inviting us back into fellowship of the Father. He alone has authority to do that. He alone has authority to bring us from where we were living amongst the dead into life and fellowship with God the Father. We can trust Jesus. We can submit to Jesus. Why? He didn't just talk the talk. He didn't just post on the socials his concern about what was happening. No, Jesus gave up his life. Friends, no greater love is there than this, than a man that would lay down his life for his friends. And this Christ invites us to this day, this morning, to submit to his great authority. Let's pray. Father God, we have to admit as we look at the hardships, as we look at the broken world around us, that there's definitely a cry in our hearts that we want to say, can we come with you now? Can we go home already? And then we do hear your word. No, there's still work to be done. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would again revive in us a holy reverent fear of you that we would once again taste the grace that we have in Jesus Christ and that we would use that as our commissioning. Father, I pray that as we've experienced grace, 
that we would freely give grace to others. But even more than that, Father, in this time, we realize and we see that it's going to be costly in following you. And I pray that we would gladly pay the cost because you've given up everything for us. I pray as we engage in a broken world, as we seek to bring your justice and your mercy to people, that you would continually keep empowering your church. We thank you that in your grace that you have done this, you are doing this, and you will continue to do this, and you will continue to look after us until you bring us finally home. In your name we pray. Amen.